It was uh, on Saturday, October 1st, 2016, that uh, Libby and I, with the help of some friends, uh, loaded up everything that we owned and uh, put everything into the, the moving truck. And, and Bruce and Carol uh, did the same. And that next day, uh, October 2nd, 2016, was our final Sunday at our sending church, the Bridge Bible Fellowship uh, in Reseda, California. And having slept on air mattresses, uh, we got up and went to church. And then afterward, we had a, a farewell picnic to say goodbye to our church family there. Uh, the next day, we, on Monday, we went to the beach so that Libby could have uh, one last sunset over the ocean and so that I could just get a little bit more sand on my feet and into the car and everywhere. And on Tuesday and Wednesday that week, we drove up to uh, Meridian. I was very, very thankful that uh, I was driving the moving truck and having a, a car carrier behind it. I never once had to back up because it was very good because I didn't know how to back up with a trailer uh, at that point in time. Uh, but uh, we we arrived uh, and unloaded, uh, moved into our new house on Thursday that week, and we got to meet some some friends of friends, people that we had never met before. They were there to to help us unload, uh, and those families that were there that we met for the first time, they really became uh, what would become the, the core group uh, for Ambassador Bible Fellowship. We kind of began with some fellowship gatherings that fall, and then uh, in January of 2017, Snowmageddon. Uh, for those of you who were here for that, uh, we uh, began as a Bible study uh, in our home. Uh, and we flash forward a few months. Uh, on September 17, 2017, we be, had our first uh, public uh, service, uh, our launch service. Uh, and so a couple weeks ago, someone came up to me and said, you forgot our anniversary. Uh, and I said, well, I, I didn't forget. I'm just waiting for the right time to celebrate. Uh, husbands, remember that line uh, next time. Uh, next time you forget. But it is indeed a very special anniversary. So two weeks ago was our, our fifth anniversary or our fifth birthday, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, as a church. Uh, and as I look back at the, the last five years, there have been many ups and downs. Been uh, multiple weddings and one funeral. Been many births, several miscarriages. There have been uh, conflicts and reconciliations. There have been baptisms and departures. There have been broken bones and broken hearts. The gospel has been proclaimed and lives have been transformed. There have been many church potlucks and a great deal of fellowship. Uh, the mission statement of our church reads, uh, states that uh, we exist, first and foremost, to glorify God. We do that by uh, seeking to, to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches who believe the gospel, grow in Christ, and go to the lost. Uh, and within that mission statement, there's really uh, three different uh, levels that we are uh, aiming at, three different levels of Christian uh, maturity. First and foremost, we want to see people uh, come to know Christ. We want to, others who do not know him uh, to know him as we know him. We want to see people believe in and trust solely uh, and completely in Jesus. We also want to see those who have believed, who have trusted in Christ, we want to see them grow uh, and begin to uh, obey Jesus in all that he has commanded. That's, that's the great commission, uh, what we are uh, commissioned to do as believers and ultimately as the church. We also want to multiply churches, meaning that we want to plant other churches. Uh, 
Uh, and really, the only way to plant other churches is you, you need to have uh, additional pastors and elders uh, trained up to be able to send out. Uh, and uh, it is a tremendous encouragement to my own soul uh, to see the Lord at work in each of those three levels. We uh, had several baptisms this uh, last spring, and as I mentioned earlier, we have two more baptisms coming up next Sunday. Uh, we, we currently have uh, ongoing uh, training uh, of growth group leaders, uh, children's ministry teachers, uh, youth staff uh, on a regular basis. Uh, in May of this year, uh, we brought Vincent Nakocha onto the elder board uh, and just piled a whole bunch of stuff onto him. Like, hey, you can do a lot now. No, very thankful for Vincent. When we came uh, up to Idaho uh, six years ago, uh, we came with a, uh, a short-term goal uh, of uh, becoming uh, an ACBC, which is the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Uh, we, we had the ambition of becoming a training center uh, at our church where we would be able to train up uh, and equip uh, and certify other biblical counselors. Uh, and when we came up here with that goal, uh, Bruce was already certified. And when we moved up here uh, and he got listed on the, the national directory, he was really the only one in all of southern Idaho. Uh, and so we were inundated uh, with requests, usually one or two every single week. Uh, and uh, we weren't able to accommodate uh, that uh, degree of uh, demand. Uh, and so I went through the certification uh, process uh, once we came up here. And then for the last three years, uh, we have been partnering with uh, Meridian First Baptist and uh, Road to Emmaus Biblical Counseling uh, Center, uh, a center out in uh, Portland uh, to do training here uh, in the Treasure Valley. And our hope and our desire is to train and equip, first and foremost, all of our growth group leaders so that they are familiar and know biblical counseling. Uh, but we also want to see others uh, trained and certified so that we can uh, be able to, first and foremost, be able to minister to our own church body. But uh, we also want to be able to, to have enough counselors to offer free counseling in the community. Uh, and we see that as a tremendous way uh, of uh, reaching our community uh, and uh, being a witness for Christ uh, here in the Treasure Valley. Uh, and uh, this week, uh, we got word that we are now uh, officially accepted as an ACBC certified training center. Uh, and that is a, a huge testament to, to Bruce's hard work there. Yeah, it, uh, we are are very thankful uh, for that and so that the the training that we'll have more information on it's on the mark your calendar there at the bottom of the the, the bulletin but the training that we'll be doing in the spring uh will be kind of all we are no longer under the umbrella of that ministry in portland but we uh, are our own training center and so we'll have more information there uh, and if you're interested in biblical counseling uh, i would encourage you uh when the registration opens sign up for those three weekends uh, that we'll be having in february march uh, and april so that was a huge, uh, huge praise uh, just to see the Lord at work uh, there. Uh, and as I, as I mentioned, if, if we are serious about uh, planting other churches, uh, we, we need to be serious about training up and equipping men for the ministry. Uh, to be able to, to have uh, a plurality of uh, pastors and elders here and ultimately to be able to send others out. Uh, and yesterday was a very uh, sweet and special day. Uh, a day of relief uh, for Jacob Ansel uh, as he uh, finished uh, a, a two-year pastoral internship. 
uh, here at, at ABF and kind of in partnership with uh, a ministry called XL uh, Ministries that kind of helps come alongside uh, churches uh, to have a kind of tracks to run on for uh, pastoral internships. Uh, and so uh, that has been a, a tremendous uh, blessing. And Jacob uh, passed, spoiler alert, uh, with, uh, with flying covers. I guess it's not a spoiler, but uh, many of you were there yesterday. Uh, and uh, Jacob's been uh, studying probably at least uh, an hour a day. And then I've been working with him uh, one uh, or two hours every single week for a long time. Uh, and First uh, uh, Timothy 4.15, the Apostle Paul told uh, his young uh, disciple in the faith, a young pastor, uh, he says, Take pains with these things and be absorbed in them, meaning the study of the word, so that your progress will be evident to all. Uh, and I would say, Jacob, your progress has been made evident to all. Uh, and we are uh, thankful for how the Lord has grown you uh, over the course of these last few years and how you have uh, been absorbed in your study of God's word and God's uh, theology uh, and uh, pastoral ministry. Uh, and if he seems a little bit taller today, it's because that burden has been lifted off of his shoulders. <clears throat> uh, but some of you might be thinking, what does it mean to be ordained to ministry? Why does that matter? Why is that significant? Well, one pastor said, ordination uh, is the process of godly leaders affirming the call, equipping, and maturity of new leaders to serve God's purposes uh, in the next generation. Okay? Uh, from a practical standpoint, ordination is similar to uh, the, the, the rigorous training that doctors, lawyers, and accountants go through, right? Uh, when you go uh, to the ER, how much information do you want that doctor to know about caring for you? Yeah, everything. I want him to know as much as he can about every possible thing. Now, now that's why there's specialists uh, when it comes to uh, the medical field. Uh, but yeah, that, that's uh, what you want. Uh, how much do you want Jacob to know and to be able to impart to the youth students of our church? Everything. You heard him, Jacob. Just know everything. <laughs> and so from a practical standpoint, ordination is wise. But it's also... Uh, there's a, a biblical basis for it as well. Second Timothy verses, uh, or chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And really what you see is uh, the passing of the baton uh, in, in four ways here, four generations, so to speak. Paul says, what you've heard from me, I've passed on to you. Uh, and you, Timothy, uh, be willing and able to pass it on to other faithful men and make sure that the ones that you pass the baton to aren't going to drop the baton there but that they are going to be able to take that baton of the Christian faith and pass it on to others afterwards. That's what we are striving for. And ordination is a church's affirmation of a man's calling to ministry. It's a recognition that he is a faithful man who is capable uh, of uh, entrusting what he has learned and what he has grasped, that he is capable of entrusting that to others who are going to pass it on to others. Ordination does not mean that Jacob knows everything. I just want to set your expectations wisely there. He doesn't know uh, everything. 
about the Bible, about theology, but he has studied a ton, uh, and he has uh, learned so much. Ordination also doesn't mean that he is now perfect. Again, spoiler alert, adjust your expectations. Uh, I'm not a prophet, but Jacob is going to sin in the future. Uh, and uh, I, I trust that he, when that happens, he's going to handle it biblically and faithfully. That he'll be quick to confess, to repent, and to make things right. But his ordination is a declaration that we have examined his character, his conduct, his capabilities, his doctrine, and his commitment to ministry. That we want to affirm uh, his calling to serve the Lord. As I, as I look back at the, the five years, there is, there's much to celebrate you know, over the course of these uh, years in our church. Uh, but I really want to focus in on celebrating this this morning uh, of uh, Jacob, what he has uh, done these last two years. And I want to address Jacob this morning. Uh, and I'm going to have a charge for him to be faithful. But I also have a charge for you as a church, uh, because what he just did has implications for you. Uh, and to show you that, I want you to go to Colossians chapter four. To turn there, there was a, a point uh, yesterday in the in the ordination council where we had just been firing questions away and and uh, Brian Murphy from XO Ministries turns around to the, the audience and says, anybody want to trade places with him yet? Right. And I, was like, I didn't sign up for this. I'm not ready for that. But but there are things that that scripture commands of you as a church when there uh, are, are pastors and elders, uh, when there are leaders in a church. Uh, Colossians chapter four, uh, we're going to ultimately land on verse 17, but I want to get a running start. I want to begin reading in verse seven, because that's kind of the beginning of the end of the letter. It's the beginning of Paul's conclusion. Verse seven, he says, uh, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow slave in the Lord, will make known to you all my affairs, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will inform you about the whole situation here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings and also Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. And these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision. And they have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a slave of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings, always striving for you in his prayers, that you may stand complete and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings, and also Demas. Greet the brothers who are in Laodicea, and also Nympha, and the church that is in her house. And when this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it now in that verse 17 paul winds down his letter and it seems that uh he's, he's shutting everything down he moved from all of his personal greetings 
uh, to like, hey, make sure this letter is read and you read the letter from the Laodiceans. But then he circles back around to this one guy, Archippus. And he gives two commands, two instructions in that verse. Uh, And one is given to the church and one is given to the pastor. And in these commands, he's going to show us how a, a church and a pastor are to relate to one another. But I want to begin first with that command to the pastor, the pastor's responsibility, because that's really the one that jumps off the page uh, at us. So the first command, we see the pastor's responsibility. This is for you, Jacob. Pursue faithfulness in ministry. This is the command that's given to Archippus. But who is this Archippus guy? He's probably one of the elders at the church in Colossae. Uh, And it seems that... uh, that he was the main shepherd and teacher at this point in time. The, the, the man who began the church, Epaphras, uh, who's mentioned here and also mentioned at the beginning of uh, the letter to uh, the Colossians, uh, he is in Rome right now uh, and because he went all the way to Rome to talk to the Apostle Paul because he's like, we got problems and situations. What do I do? So the church planter is away in Rome uh, and Archippus is uh, the leader uh, back uh, at home. And uh, he is more than likely, can we gather this from Philemon, he is probably the son of Philemon uh, and Aphia, who are mentioned in Philemon verses 1 and 2. And so, so Archippus is given this command to take heed to his ministry. The ESV uh, translates it as, uh, see to it, uh, pay close attention to this. This same word is also seen in Colossians 2.8. Uh, where the Apostle Paul told the church, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Uh, this is the idea of, of paying close attention uh, and, uh, and careful thought uh, to something. This is to be an ongoing command. This is not something that you start, stop, start, stop. But you continue to be faithful. You continue to take heed And Paul charges Archippus to pay close attention to the ministry. Why? Because where does that ministry come from? It's because you received this ministry in the Lord. But how does the Lord entrust a man with ministry? When we were doing the the ordination council yesterday, the skies didn't part uh, and, and the light didn't shine down. So how does the Lord entrust a man with a ministry? Well, as I look at the, the, the church landscape around us, sometimes uh, men uh, lead churches because they have uh, a feeling within them. They feel called to ministry, and so they just go and start a church. Others just have a very strong uh, desire. And I, I think those are, are necessary prerequisites, uh, and uh, those verify, like, a man shouldn't be in ministry if he doesn't have a desire uh, to be in ministry, right? That's the first qualification for an elder. Yeah, if anyone uh, should uh, desire the office of an, an overseer, First Timothy 3, 1. And I think there's one additional thing. I think a man has to be, uh, have that desire uh, and the feeling that he, in a sense that he is called, uh, I think he has to meet the qualifications in First Timothy 3 and Titus 1. But I also believe that, uh, that there needs to be other godly men who affirm that desire uh, and uh, affirm his gifting and affirm his life. Now, I grew up in uh, a, a house church uh, that was led by a man who felt called to ministry 
Uh, and so he just began a Bible study and, and started leading. Uh, but he was utterly unqualified for ministry. His uh, doctrine was false. Uh, his life uh, was hypocritical. Uh, and <clears throat> I grew up in that uh, and ultimately left wanting absolutely nothing to do with Christianity because of what I saw there. Uh, and that is what can happen when someone just says, I want to go into ministry and I'm going to do it. I feel like there needs to be uh, other godly men laying hands uh, and sending and commissioning. If you look at Acts chapter 13, uh, verse 1, uh, as Paul and Barnabas were sent out on the first uh, missionary trip, what happened? Uh, the, the leaders in the church in Antioch came together uh, after uh, the Holy Spirit said, Hey, I'm sending out, uh, I wanna, I'm calling Paul and Barnabas uh, to be missionaries. Uh, the leaders of that church came together and they prayed uh, and commissioned uh, those two uh, and sent them out. I think that's a very important uh, thing. And so that's the, the importance of ordination. That's, that's the importance of receiving a ministry uh, from the Lord. And that's ultimately, I think, how the Lord reveals that. Other godly men are going to affirm uh, a man's life and doctrine and conduct. I believe that's what Paul is, in, is saying and referring to when he says that, he, that Archippus received uh, this ministry in the Lord. Therefore, Archippus must fulfill and complete his ministry. Uh, he must do what he ought to be doing in ministry. Uh, and uh, we don't, uh, we're not given the specifics of what uh, Archippus uh, was doing there at the church, but more than likely, uh, he was the main teacher. He, he was the, the one who was proclaiming God's word to God's people. Uh, if you turn over with me uh, to Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, this same command is given uh, to Timothy. Uh, and the command is given to Timothy in verse 5 to fulfill his ministry. But uh, I think <clears throat> that's a, a summary statement based upon what uh, is seen in verses 1 through 4. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus... <clears throat> who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And so what, what I think the Apostle Paul is saying to, to Archippus here uh, is uh, a summary of all of that. Uh, all, all of the things that a pastor ought to be doing, make sure that you take heed and you fulfill the ministry that you have received from God. And indeed, that is what pastors and elders are to do. That we, we teach, preach, and counsel the word of God to the people of God. That is what we are, the ministry that we are to fulfill. Uh, I just uh, finished a, a book uh, about a, a family uh, that moved from New England uh, in 1906 out to a farm in uh, Colorado. And it was uh, quite a shock uh, to them, uh, the change in lifestyle and uh, scenery. Uh, but it's fascinating to see uh, how hard they, they had to, to work uh, and labor to cultivate uh, the, the ground that they were now living on. 
Uh, but they themselves didn't own the ground. Uh, they cultivated it, uh, and then they had to, to bring uh, some of their, what they cultivated back uh, to the Lord or to the, the owner of, uh, of that land. Uh, and and that's, that's a wonderful illustration of what ministry is like. Uh, and that's what uh, the Apostle Paul uh, uses and refers to in 1 Corinthians 3, 9. And speaking to the church, he says that you are the field, God's uh, building Jacob, you have been entrusted with uh, a field to cultivate. The, the, the hearts and minds and lives of the students here uh, at ABF. Those students uh, whom uh, their parents are coming and entrusting to you. Uh, but also, ultimately, uh, the Lord is entrusting those young hearts and minds uh, to your care, to your shepherding. And as a, feared, as a uh, field requires not only blood, sweat, and tears uh, to cultivate. Uh, Christian ministry also demands much study, discipleship, and prayer. Uh, And you have been charged uh, to cultivate uh, this field, and you will uh, one day have to give an account for all of the souls that you have cared for and shepherded. Let not many of you become teachers, because they will receive a stricter judgment. James 3.1 Therefore take heed... To fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Be sure to be doing what you ought to be doing in your service to God. Be a man who knows the word. Be a man who is continually transformed by the word. Be a man who wrestles with God in prayer. Be a man who knows systematic theology backward, forward, and sideways. Because it's going to come at you backward and forward and sideways. And you need to be able to discern truth from almost truth. And one of the best ways to bless the students and families of our church is for you to be a learner, for you to be a reader, for you to continue to grow. And again, the Lord is going to use you like an aqueduct that carries truth uh, to the people of God. But ultimately, in the same way, Jesus charged Peter at the end of John's gospel. What was that charge? Three times he says to Peter, love my sheep love the students have compassion for them and all of their nerdiness and all of their awkwardness all of those awkward silences that you have in youth ministry they're worth it and youth students you have full permission to ask jacob really hard theological questions okay force him to continue to read and study and grow and if you run out of really hard questions just come see me i'll i'll feed them to you I could go on and on concerning Jacob's pastoral responsibility. But I'll conclude there so that I can address you as a church. What is your responsibility towards Jacob and towards ultimately all of the pastors in the church? Well, I would draw your attention back to verse 17. The very beginning of that verse, we see the church's responsibility. I would say it this way, that the church is to press for faithfulness in pastors. The beginning of verse 17, the apostle Paul wrote, and say to Archippus. Now, it's interesting the way that, that this is done. Paul could have just said, Archippus, make sure you fulfill your ministry. But he didn't say that. 
And the way that this would have played out in, in the New Testament, uh, in the first century, uh, a church would gather together and a, a letter would be read publicly. And so when, when the letter to the Colossian church was read publicly, the Apostle Paul is actually speaking to the church. When he says, say to Archippus, he's speaking to the church. He's telling them that they are to be the ones that hold Archippus accountable to take heed to the ministry that he has received in the Lord, that he may fulfill it. And the Apostle Paul is working through the church to command Archippus here. If you want to put it in a modern term, he is using peer pressure. But it's the best kind of peer pressure. Now, it is a, a peer pressure that encourages holiness and faithfulness. And the ministry of the word and prayer is to be the focus of the pastor. And Paul is calling the church at Colossae to hold Archippus accountable to fulfill that ministry. So kind of like a, a trainer in a boxing match. What does a trainer do? He's there in the corner. Right? He's telling the fighter, get your hands up. I, when I think of a trainer, I always think of Mickey from the movie Rocky. So if I start to slip into that accent, you know what I'm like. What's happening to his voice right now? I'm turning into Mickey, right? Come on, Rock. Uh, that, that's what we are to do uh, with Jacob now. now. We are to be there to encourage him. Keep your hands up. Uh, don't get tired. Don't grow weary. Keep fighting the good fight. When he needs a rest in between rounds, we're there to, to bless him and encourage him. To make sure that he rests because sometimes pastoral ministry has seasons that are just exhausting. Jacob came to me after, uh, I think, all church camp. He's like, hey, can I take a couple of days? I'm like, absolutely. It's a big stretch uh, leading up to that and up to the, the, the winter camp uh, in February. Say, we want to we make sure that, that we're not uh, exhausting and, and drowning him. But we are to be there to bless and encourage Jacob. To pray for him and to pray with him. To let him know that we are in his corner. Yet we are also here to hold him accountable. To continue in faithful ministry. To continue to manage and see to his own spiritual life. To make sure that he is growing in his own walk very difficult in ministry to to pour into others if you are dry yourself right you're like there's just there's nothing coming out be there to to pray for him to encourage him pastors sometimes uh joke uh, that we, we feel like we live in a fishbowl uh and uh, everybody's watching us and at times it's difficult but i'll say this it's also very necessary Okay, because as a pastor, we are called to be examples to the flock. Yeah, we, we can't be examples if we are hiding. Right? And so that also means uh, that you can get to know Jacob. Look and see, observe him. If you haven't visited the youth ministry, just come, drop in. See what he's doing with the students. Champion and encourage him. But Paul wanted the Colossians to hold Archippus accountable. To encourage him uh, and to, to exhort him to see that he fulfills the ministry that he has been entrusted with. And that is our responsibility as a church. Amen? And we need to take that seriously. Now, what I would love to do 
uh, is uh, invite Brian Murphy from XL Ministries up. I'd love to invite up uh, Vincent uh, and Bruce and Jacob. I'd love to, to pray for and over Jacob. And uh, that's just commissioning him, acknowledging the Lord's calling upon uh, his life. And, uh, but Brian, would you like to say? It is my honor to be here, and uh, on behalf of Excel Ministries, we've talked a lot about what happened yesterday, and rightly so. Uh, but yesterday was the culmination of two years of very hard work uh, on behalf of Jacob um, and practical training for pastoral ministry, learning his Bible, learning theology, learning um, biblical counseling, learning apologetics, um, learning how to do all of the things that it takes to be a pastor and many more in the years ahead. And uh, so he did that with excellence. And uh, on behalf of Excel Ministries, it's my privilege to... uh, uh, acknowledge his graduation and to present him with this plaque. So the plaque reads, Congratulations, Brian Jacob Ansel, and I should say his wife Julia underneath there, <laughs> uh, because this is a team effort. And uh, certainly, as I m- mentioned yesterday, certainly a team effort with Pastor Thomas as well. Um, don't want to underestimate that. But congratulations, Brian Jacob Ansel. Excel Ministries Pastoral Internship 2022 graduate, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2. Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, to you belong all glory, honor, power, and blessing. We praise you and we worship you because you have redeemed us through the blood of your Son. You have rescued us out of sin and death and brought us into fellowship with you. For that, we praise you and adore you. You have called every single believer to be an ambassador for Christ, to be a representative, to be a faithful proclaimer, to represent your son to the lost and dying world, to proclaim his life and death and resurrection. We all have that responsibility, but Lord, we also understand that you have called and set aside certain men to serve you faithfully in ministry. Father, we thank you for how you have been at work in Jacob's life from early on and how amazing it is to see and know that you have been preparing him 
as an instrument in your hands, uh, a vessel to be used by you for your glory, not his own. Father, we thank you for your plan and how it has been working out. We want to lift Jacob up to you now. Praying that you would continue to work in him and through him, that you would continue the work that you have begun. That you would continue to mold and shape him into the image and likeness of Jesus. That day by day, year by year, Jacob would resemble your son more and more. That he would be a faithful example. That no one would look down on his youthfulness, but that he would be an example in love, speech, conduct, faith. Lord, that you would use him as an example to all of the youth students, all of the the families, all of our church members, all our entire congregation here. Lord, we also lift him up and pray that you would use him to proclaim your word, to shepherd uh, the flock here, to pour into young men, to encourage them, to proclaim the gospel, to draw them near to you. We pray that you would just use him in a mighty way, that you would uh, bless him, that you would give him visible uh, fruit uh, to encourage his heart and soul. I pray that you would help us as a church to come alongside him, to continue to uh, equip him and champion him in his ministry. And Lord, we, we pray that you would continue and to work faithfully in and through him. We are so blessed and thankful that you have called him here. We pray that you would never call him anywhere else. But Lord, we lift him up to you. And we would beseech that you would use him to continue to build up our church in faith, unity, the bond of peace, to the glory, honor, and praise of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If... uh, if you guys would uh, join me, I know we're, we're ending a little bit early. I'll bank these minutes for future uh, <laughs> sermons. But I would love to, uh, to everybody stand up. Tom, can you put uh, that verse up uh, on uh, the, the screen above us? In the same way, Paul exhorted the church at Colossae to exhort Archippus to be faithful in ministry, I would love for us to read as a congregation and to charge Jacob here uh, with this same charge. Can we do that? And say to Jacob, take heed to fulfill. That's embarrassing. All right. Let's try this again. Say to Jacob, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. Amen. Well, with that, uh, we have a lot going on 